Hey guys, we're so excited to share this message with you on the Center Set podcast. My name is Ethan and I lead worship here at Center Set. We'd love for you to download our app so that you can keep up with all that is happening in our community. Text Center Set to 77977 to download. Who's excited for church? Come on! If we have not met, my name is Ali, my beautiful wife and I. We started Center Set. Bold, excuse me. Excuse moi. Bold church four years ago. And uh, the heart behind the, the vision that God gave us, we, we wanted to create a place where not only Christians could grow in their faith, but listen, unchurched people could explore their faith. So if you're new to church, if you're, this is our first time in a long time, you are VIP. Let me believe you when I say that. Every element of our worship experience is designed with you in mind. Because the seven of the eight people that started this church, listen, we all got saved in our 20s. We know the objections. We know the questions. So we wanted to create a place where, listen, you can passionately follow Jesus, but you all can also bring your doubts. Amen. And we are on a collection of talks. Hopefully, if you're new, you got one of these free 99 hot sauce bottles called Secret Sauce. And for those of you that are a little bit savvy, the ingredients are super special. Uh, we are in a collection of talks all about the Holy Spirit. Uh, have you ever been to La Victoria? Any La Victoria fans? Come on. Average burrito, secret sauce. Anyone know that there's a secret sauce at Chick-fil-A? Come on. It's not even on the menu. Honey roasted barbecue. You're welcome. It's closed today. You can go on Monday. Let me tell you, this church is average at best, filled with a bunch of ratchet people that I'm looking at right now. (laughs) But what makes this church amazing is the Holy Spirit, is the Holy Spirit. And I'm praying that the next two or three weeks as we go through this, that this collection of talks would not just be information, it would be transformation, that your life would literally change. And uh, the title of today's topic is this, Language Matters. Language matters. Turn to your neighbor and say, today's for you. Turn to your other neighbor that you forsaked in church and say, today's for you. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, that for all the hard work that the dream team did to allow today to be possible. Thank God for all the servant leaders that went above and beyond. Thank God for the dream team that went above and beyond. God, thank you for that your presence fills this place right now, God. God, may we walk in one way and may we leave another. Change us, God, from the inside out. Today we want to walk different, Jesus. We want to talk like you, walk like you, love like you, and live like you, Jesus. And all of God's people said? Come on, all of God's people said? And show of hands, how many would you agree with me? Language matters. Come on, there are some words that we use today that they did not use those words 30 years ago. You got to be careful what room you were in. I have a mentor of mine who is about 55 years old, started a church when he was 24, so literally 30 years ago in South Carolina, rural. This is back in 1990, 1992, where if you didn't wear a suit to church, you were a demon. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? And this is like urban, or I'm sorry, rural South Carolina, lots of, you know, country folk, and uh, this church literally exploded to 15,000 people within 10 years. This man was gifted, anointed. In the early days of his church, he invited his pastor to come speak at his church. And there was a massive age gap. The pastor was about 24, 25 years old, and his previous pastor was in his late middle 70s. And his pastor had four daughters, and he invited the pastor, come sleep in my house this weekend. You don't need a hotel room. Just come preach on Sunday. And the pastor's like, cool. Sunday morning, pastor is super spiritual, wakes up at 6 a.m., prays for a couple hours. He's like, you know what? I'll just take a shower at 8 o'clock, because church don't start until 10. One problem, though, he's in a home with four daughters. So he tries to use the bathroom at 8, one daughter goes in. 
And then when one daughter comes out, the other one comes in. And then the third one comes out, and the fourth one comes in. It's literally 9.30, and church is at 10, and he is freaking out. He runs in the bathroom, and he sees, this is 1990 again, a clothing line in the bathroom. And because he doesn't have four daughters, there's pantyhose all along this clothing line. He's like, what am I? So he's, he starts taking down the clothes. He's like, this is so awkward. I hope they don't walk in on me. Takes him five minutes to take all the pantyhose off. Takes a shower, gets dressed, has to put all of them back. By the time he gets to church, he's like disheveled. He's late. As he parks the car and walks into the church, he has to go on stage. And he's like, 75 years old, breathing heavy. I'm so sorry, guys, that I'm late. There were a lot of hoes in the bathroom. Come on. <laughs> no clue what he had just said. Did not mean what he had said. In his generation, a hoe meant pantyhose. And everyone else in the room, it meant something different. Come on. That's why it's so important that the words I'm using today don't trip you up. No matter what generation you are. Some of you have been going to church for 30 years. Some of you for 30 seconds. And the words I'm going to use today, I want us to all be on the same page. Why? Because language matters. Someone say language matters. matters. It matters. And today's the most controversial subject in the body of Christ. It's more controversial than abortion, more than gay marriage, more than being a Christian and a Lakers fan. This is like crazy controversial. (laughs) Christians divide over this. Churches divide over this denominations divide over this. I want to talk about tongues today. And it's going to be controversial. Some of you, we haven't even started, you're already crossing your arms. Pray for me. Pray for me. I want to define the the terms that we're going to be using today. The first one is the gift of tongues. Someone say gift of tongues. This is the gift that I preached on last week in 1 Corinthians 12. This is a gift that belongs to the Holy Spirit. No one has this gift. That's why in 1 Corinthians 12 it says, are all apostles, are all teachers, do all speak in tongues? He's talking about that gift. This is a corporate gift. This is a gift that God is sending down. If the text message is coming with the message, it goes from God to men. Let me say that again because it's so important. It's from God to men. And tongues needs to be interpreted. You can't just blab something and what does that mean? Often what happens is the gift of tongues is corresponding with the gift of interpretation. Let me explain this. I got two daughters, a six-year-old and a three-year-old. Uh, my three-year-old, Chug Chug, eats everything. God bless her. Everything. The, the other one only eats chicken nuggets. How many know what I'm talking about? And it's only from Chick-fil-A. But when the younger one was about 18 months old, uh, her language didn't develop as, the, as, much, as fast as the older one. So there's this one time where we're all sitting at the table and the, the younger one is in this high chair, like, fur, like five feet away because she spills. We have like a mat around her, like a body like, to separate us. And one time, all the food's on the table and she's sitting there and she's like, like pounding on the test, pouring to the table. And Sophie goes, she wants pickles because my, my kids like love pickles. I'm like, no, she does not. So I test it. I put carrots on her plate. Zoe like pushes it off. And it's like says something. And I go, okay, let me test. I'll put mashed potatoes. Zoe, again, throws it off the table. I go, okay, let me try the pickles this time. Put the pickles. <laughs> Sophie, without hesitating, told you. That's an example. My, my daughter Zoe, the, the three-year-old who couldn't speak, that's the gift of tongues. My six-year-old had the gift of interpretation. Come on. 
I'm not talking about that gift right now, though. That's the gift of tongues. The Holy Spirit chooses who operates in that gift. This next one, all of you have. It's this. It's the personal prayer language of tongues. And notice the direction of the message. When someone operates in tongues in this room, God wants to tell us something. So we have to translate what he's saying. Someone just prophesies, we don't need a middleman. Pastor Ali, why do we have a middleman? I don't know. But the personal prayer language is different. God ain't talking to us. We're talking to God. And God wants, listen, he wants to hear from all his kids. So I can pull the cat out of the bag today. It's this big idea. Every believer. In the English, that means every believer. I'm not like translating this in Greek. Every believer can pray in their personal prayer language to God. I got a message today. Y'all ready to be challenged, to be inspired? Last week, I had a nine-point sermon. Forgive me. That was hard. I'm going back to my bread and butter three. You guys ready for the three-point sermon? Point number one, it's scriptural. It's scriptural. Someone shout, it's scriptural. scriptural. Let me read you 1 Corinthians 14. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Why? Because tongues build you up. Prophecy builds up others. Proverbs says, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. There is something good about building yourself up, but there's something even better building others up. He's got it. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, and the direction is important. Because often when you are speaking in the gift of tongues, God's trying to tell us something. When you are operating in this, you're not talking to men. You're talking to God, which is why for no one understands them. They don't need translation. This is so important. Listen, for 10 years, my wife and I have been having this theological debate. For 10 years, she's been saying, everyone has this gift. And for 10 years, I've been saying, no, I believe the gift is real, but it's not. God did something to me about a month ago as I was studying. And I've been studying this subject for 10 years, afraid, I'm confessing, afraid to teach on it. This verse convinced me. So for those of you keeping track, let me just publicly apologize. Pastor Yaz was right. (laughs) But if you're counting 2,500,017 times I've been right, And she's been right one time. Come on, pray for her. (laughs) Kidding, I'm kidding. But if you have objections to this, if something in in you is rising up, I don't believe this, just keep reading this verse over and over again. This is you talking to your dad in heaven. God wants to hear from you. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, I would circle that phrase in your Bible because that phrase is going to show up five times. Five times God's got to connect this gift with that phrase in the spirit. And here's why it's so important. I'm going to show you in other parts of the Bible, the Bible expects you to pray in the spirit. For he who speaks in tongues does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. The reason why it's a mystery is no one is translating this thing. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15. 14 says, for if I pray in a tongue, second time we heard it, my spirit, or in the spirit, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. That word understanding shows up 24 times in your Bible. 21 out of the 24 times, it's translated your mind. So I can read this again. For if, my, if I pray in a tongue, my, in my, spirit, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. 
What's he saying? Bro, when I'm praying in this language to God, not only will you not understand me, but bro, I don't even understand it. That's what he's trying. And then the question is, well, why would you even pray in this thing? If he doesn't understand, you don't understand, what, and Paul's answer, what then is the conclusion? Don't you want to know? 1 Corinthians 14, verse 16, I will pray in, with the Spirit, and I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with understanding. If you get this verse, it will change your devotion with God. See, you can pray in English, and you can sing in English, but listen, you can sing in the Spirit, and you can sing in the and pray in the spirit. That every morning, my wife and I, we will drop off our kids at school, and we have, this, we have habits. Because what you do daily is what they're going to live doing the rest of their life. And every morning, on the way to school, we're like, we're praying. On even days, it's Zoe. On odd days, it's Sophia. And, and every morning, I'm like, who's going to go? And they go, what day is it? I go, it's the 24th. Boom, go. And they'll start praying. And there'll be times where, okay, your turn, Dad. And I'll start praying. And I will run out of words to say. Have you ever gone on a prayer walk? And five minutes in, you're like, I'm going to make this a prayer walk. And 30 seconds in, you're done. <laughs> what do you do when your mind doesn't have the words, but you feel this unction to keep praying? The Spirit wants to pray through you. You want to elevate your, your, your worship every Sunday. I'm singing loud with Ethan. But there comes a point where I've, I sense the Spirit of God. And I begin to pray, sing in the Spirit in my what Paul is saying is use your mind when you pray in English, but pray in the Spirit too. When you sing, sing in English, but also when you sing, sing in the Spirit. The point is this. The Bible expects you to do this on a regular basis. The Bi- Not me. The Bible expects you to do this on a regular basis. Go back to the previous verse. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, what's the, what, what, do you mean, what does it mean to bless in the Spirit? Have you ever pray for the food, you bless the food before you eat it. Paul is giving you examples of positive times you should use it, and then he's going to give you, don't be a Ned Flanders example. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at the giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say? He's like, imagine you go to Taco Bell because you're spirit-filled, the Mexican pickle just came out, and your friend who's never been to church is sitting next to you, and it's your turn to pray. Well, Paul's saying, do not pray in tongues because no one's going to understand you're giving thanks. But when you're alone and you're in a corporate environment, no one can hear you, you sing in the Spirit and you pray in the Spirit. But don't be Ned Flanders weird and do this out loud with other people. That's what he's saying. At this point, many of you are like, I don't know about this, Pastor Alley. You got to understand, I, I went to a Southern Baptist church for two years. I, I, I had never met a Christian until I was 20. I became a Christian at the age of 24. Every Friday for years, bars and clubs. The moment I got saved, I started going to Barnes and Noble because I wanted to read about this guy named Jesus. No one told me what to read. I just opened up my Bible and started reading. Started the book of John, then went to Romans. Then I got this book called 1 Corinthians and was freaking out. What is this? Went to my pastor, had no clue anything about denominations. Said, what is this gift? He's like, do not pursue the Holy Spirit. Tongues is gone. Don't be weird. And I believed him. For two years, I did not operate in this gift. And then I went to another church. And this church was a little bit different. They started praying. They started doing things that I did not know that they were allowed to do. And things, 
I remember it was crazy. I'm like, what, what is going on? And I, I'm, I'm just telling you, the very first time I heard about this gift, my, my arms were crossed in church. And I, had, I did not realize I had been indoctrinated. I had been taught not to believe in this. All I've done, guys, is just read the Bible. So if your arms are getting crossed, realize you're not even crossing it at me. You're crossing your arms at Scripture. Look what, and then this was the verse that the pastor gave me to convince me it was gone. Verse Corinthians 13, verse 8. For where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be sealed. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. That word completeness is often translated perfect. And what the pastor was trying to say is we have the perfect. And he was pointing to the scriptures. But functionally that means it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Bible. But the Trinity is not the Bible with Jesus and God the Father. The Trinity is God the Son, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. And what he's basically saying is that the moment we got the Bible, the Holy Spirit stopped operating. He stopped moving. Let me tell you, just because a bunch of dudes had a meeting in 393 AD and canonized scripture does not mean the Spirit of God does not redeem people, transform people, take dead people back to life. He's still moving. He's still operating. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Amen? These gifts are still here. And if tongues is gone, so is knowledge and, and prophecy. So you don't have knowledge that it's gone, by the way. Because you're implying knowledge is gone. And it's so crazy. So many of you don't even realize it. Tradition has taught you. You went to a church where they said it's gone. All I'm doing, guys, is reading the scriptures. And look what it says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 39. Therefore, brethren, desire, someone say desire. desire, earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak in tongues. I wrote down like this. It's crazy that the Bible says don't forbid, but many church- churches, Christians, and denominations do. Uh, fall of last year, we were desperate to find a building, and we finally found one. For those of you that are coming for the first time, we are moving on August 14th to a Sunday morning option. In 84 days, we will be moving to the Campbell Community Center. We, th- th- I did the math. We spent two years and four months at the Hotel Valencia. Then we spent 12 months online, and in August, we'll have spent 18 months at 5 o'clock. We've spent two years, four months at the hotel, two years, six months at 5 p.m. Crazy that we're, fi- we're still alive. But we're going back. So last fall, I was desperate to find a place. And there's this place on Winchester, just south of the Hotel Santana Row. Pastor, I walked in and go, hey, how are you guys doing? Trying to be respectful. He's like, oh, we have about 56 people. I'm like, would you be willing, because I'm willing to pay a lot of money, to let us, a crazy bunch of hoodlums, misfits for Jesus, come at 9 o'clock? He's like, we'd love to. He's like, honestly, if this works out, we'll give you the building. I was like, come on. I'm like, but... Is there any, like, fine print to this promise? Come on. He's like, well, you got to join our denomination. I was like, oh, what's the denomination? He's like, Church of the Nazarene. I'm like, honestly, man, I, there's so many flavors of this thing. I don't even know. I'm new to this. I'm like, I know Southern Baptist, you can't drink. AG, you can't, you know, do other stuff. What are the distinctions of Church of the Nazarene? He's like, oh, don't worry about it. I'm like, no, I need to, actually. <laughs> You're going to give me this building, and I'm going to sign my life away. I need to know. 
He's like, well, it's like, you don't have this problem, but you can't teach on tongues, you can't pray in tongues, you can't say it's ever allowed, but you don't have that problem. Let's go sit up the building. I was like, oh, you want to buy my silence? Guess who did not sign that lease? Listen, men may want you to stop, but God does not. It's scriptural. Someone say it's scriptural. Let me tell you why. Number two is this. It's beneficial. Someone say it's beneficial. beneficial. 1 Corinthians 14 says this. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I have heard, seen this verse used against me so many times. We don't need to pray in tongues. We should prophesy. I'm like, bro, did you go to public school? Because a conjunction does not break what this is saying. A conjunction is but and therefore because on the other hand, and that, that, that word but shows up 2,700 times in your Bible. 90% of the time it's translated and. So that verse could say, he who speaks in the tongue edifies himself and he who prophesies edifies the church. It's not saying one is better than the other. It's just trying to show you there's a difference. The whole point of 1 Corinthians 14 is there's a difference between public and private. There's a difference between you talking to God or God talking to you. And there's a difference between you building yourself up versus you building others up. Do you know reading your Bible builds you up? No one gets weird reading the Bible in church and reading at home. But if I were to give you a verse that I wrote, this is First Asor, verse chapter 14. What's Asor? Ali's school of Ruhi. Yes, it's stupid, but I'm trying to make the Bible fun. He who reads his Bible in private edifies himself, but he who reads his Bible in public edifies the church. Come on. That's what a conjunction is. It doesn't negate the fact that building up others is bad. You should build yourself up. Prophecy builds others up, but tongues, baby, builds you up. You need this. And remember I said five times that 1 Corinthians 14 connects the, the personal prayer language with in the Spirit. Someone say in the Spirit. Let me show you two of them right here on 1 Corinthians 14. Speaking in tongues in the Spirit. Someone say, in the Spirit. He speaks mysteries. 1 Corinthians 14, 4. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit. Someone say, my spirit. It says that five times in the book of 1 Corinthians. And let me tell you why that's so important. In the book of Ephesians, it talks all about spiritual warfare. You gotta wear your Nike Jordans, your Hermes belt. No, I'm just kidding. You gotta put on your belt of truth, your blessed prayer of righteousness, your shield of faith, your hem of salvation, and the last thing, what's that thing in your hand? Sword of the Spirit. Look at Ephesians 6. Take the helm of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Semicolon, which implies it's part of the armor. And pray in the Spirit. Someone say, in the Spirit. Now, you would need to be a theologian, like jumping through hoops juggling on a unicycle to tell me that's not the same thing. It's the same thing. And actually, it's the same author. So he wouldn't use words. How many know? Language matters. Someone say language matters. I'm not trying to confuse you. I'm trying to get you to understand God wants you and expects you to pray in tongues. Not just occasionally, daily. You can't even do spiritual warfare without it. And all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all of the Lord's people. Then let me, before you show the next verse, leave it here. Jesus had a brother. He actually had multiple stepbrothers. One of them was named Jude. This guy, if you ever read the book of Jude, his humility is so humbling. He does not say, I'm the brother of Jesus. He says, I'm the servant of the Lord. 
in the very first verse. And look what he says in Jude 1.20. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up, that sounds so similar to edifying yourself, in your most holy faith, by praying in the Holy Spirit. There it is again. Three different authors telling you the exact same thing. In the Spirit. In the Spirit. Uh, There are three men in my life that uh, have influenced me in a very, very deep way. One of them is a man named Robert Morris. I've listened to, and this book is for free, by the way. If anyone wants this book, just fill out a Connect card. Just put book somewhere, and I'll, I'll figure, find you, and I'll give it to you. I'm being serious. I want to give this book to someone for free. It's brand new. No one's touched it. Robert Morris, another man is Tim Keller, and the third, who's a very controversial guy named Mark Driscoll. When I say these men have influenced me, I've read all of their books and each of them hundreds of their sermons. Robert Morris is the one that's impacted me the most. When he, he's 60 years old right now, but when he was about 27, 28 years old, he was a traveling evangelist where he would go around the country from church to church, like leading revival services. And the only people that would pay him for these revival services were Southern Baptist churches. And one time he's at this church and there's this great revival breaking out. And he's like, man, I've never, I have never been to a Southern Baptist church that's like, so spirit-filled. He's at the staff meeting. He's like, oh, yeah. The staff's like, oh, yeah. Our pastor prays in tongues. He's like, you're kidding me. He's like, yeah, he teaches it all the time. So then the following night, they go to dinner, and he goes, your staff told me that you pray in tongues. And the pastor's like, yep. And Pastor Morris is like, kind of like rib him in the ribs, like, why do you do that? Even though he does it himself. Just like, wanted to hear, why do you do that? Matter of fact, because the Bible says it builds you up. He, he didn't say this, but he could have. Idiot, the Bible tells you it builds you up. And the pastor ended with this, and I need all the building up I can get. The Bible expects you to do this on a regular basis. The Bible says you can't even do spiritual warfare without this. And people push back. Well, I'll pray in tongues, Pastor Ali, when I get the gift. We're not talking about the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues happens in the corporate setting. When the Holy Spirit wants them. This is your personal prayer language. You already have it. You already have it. Jesus died on a cross to give it to you. And not only is it scriptural, listen, it's beneficial. But Pastor Riley, how do I operate in this gift? Point number three, it's a choice. Someone say it's a choice. If I can get the worship team to play behind me. It's a shorter sermon, but it's powerful. 1 Corinthians 14 says, For if I pray in a tongue, notice how it says, if I pray. You have to choose whether or not you want to make that choice. God will not force himself on you. First, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15 says, What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit, and I also will pray with understanding. He said, what he's saying is when I pray in English, it's a choice. And when I pray in the spirit, it's also a choice. Listen, God gave you a will. If I invite you to go to dinner with me in Taco Bell, to be spirit-filled and have a Mexican pizza. It's the same thing as Deuteronomy 29. I give before you life and death. Choose life. Let's go. You have to choose. God will not force this on you. He's a gentleman. Why would Paul give us instructions on when and how to use this gift if it like spontaneously came out of you? And some of you are afraid of that. I've heard this objection. Pastor Ali, if I, if I receive this gift... What happens if I'm at Whole Foods? And I'm in the nacho aisle, you know, trying to get groceries. And, you know, just 
I have to run to the front and grab the mic and I say to everyone, everyone's gonna make fun of me. Listen, that's not gonna happen. Let's say you have the gift of teaching, right? Let's say you're in an airplane and everyone's sleeping. You don't just get up and start yelling and teaching everyone. It's not this spontaneous thing that comes out of you. You have to choose to teach. In the same way, you have to choose to speak in tongues. Imagine it for a moment, you were walking out the church and your pocket starts rattling and a, and a credit card falls out and goes in the offering bucket. You'd be like, oh, I guess I have the gift of giving. <laughs> That's what you're saying to me. No, 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 no. You have to choose to pull a check out and write a very, 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 very large number and you have to choose to put it in. You have to choose. God will never force himself on you. So I have this question. Since it's scriptural and it builds you up, why would you not? Why would you not want this? Why would you not? The three objections that I hear, I'd write these down. The three objections, maybe you have one of these. First one is, I don't understand. Pastor Ali, when I'm praying in tongues, I believe it, I have it. I just don't understand, so I don't do it. Listen, in the same way that you believe that God left heaven, God, the infinite became finite. You believe he didn't just come on a G6, came through a virgin, 14-year-old girl with braces. Listen to Justin Bieber and Taylor Swift. She did not have sex, but had the miraculous conception. Not only do you believe that, you believe Jesus lived a sinless and perfect life. And that he didn't come to give us a book. He came to die for it. That takes faith, by the way. And then he didn't stay dead. And every religious leader, from Mahatma Gandhi, from Buddha, from Muhammad, all of them have a tombstone somewhere. You believe Jesus conquered the grave. That takes faith. So even though you don't understand what you're saying, that's okay. The Bible says you're not supposed to understand. You're speaking mysteries. And if you believe in Jesus by faith, pray in tongues by faith. Second objection, and this one is the most common. Pastor it feels demonic. I feel like if I do this, it's, I'm opening myself up to the enemy. Just, it, I've heard some stuff, and I'm going to prove it to you that Jesus knew you would say that. And he has a word for you. Luke chapter 10, 11. 10, I'm sorry. But the 72 returned. So Jesus had 12 disciples. If you're new to church, he had 12 that were his posse he hung out with, had Mexican pizzas with them, but then he had 60 that were not included in the 12. So there's 60 other disciples, 12 of his apostles. And they returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. They just preached. They had just teach. They were healing, doing miracles. Jesus had given the 72 the power to do ministry. He said, he being Jesus, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. He is not talking about physical snakes. He's naming demons. I need you to see this. This is not me speaking, by the way. This is Jesus, and he's naming the demons, snakes and scorpions, and to overcome all the power of the enemy. A few weeks later, someone asked Jesus about the gifts that he gives. In Luke chapter 11, look what Jesus says. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Or if you ask him for an egg, 
will give him a scorpion. You can say, oh, that's a coincidence. No, bro, you went to public school. Jesus knows what he's doing. He is speaking specific words to his people to give them assurance, you're evil, not me. I'm the best dad you've ever had. I love you so much, I came to die for you. And when I want to give you good gifts, these are not average, oh, these are the best gifts. I have the best gift for you. Even though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more? How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit? There is nothing demonic about Jesus. There is nothing demonic about the Holy Spirit. You can trust him. It's scriptural. It's beneficial. But it's a choice. And God's not up in heaven saying, ah, I'm going to give him a demon. It's not, it's not going to do that at all. The third objection I hear with those who have it, but just like, the best way to say it, fear of man. They don't want to do it. Pastor Ali, and they'll come in close. I sound like a baby. Sounds like gibberish. I'm like, I know. We can yell at Jesus when we get to heaven. I don't know why it sounds that way. But every father in here knows when your kid is learning to speak, you're recording it. And you're loving it. Look at this video of my daughter, Chug Chug, the one who wanted the pickles. Who is it, Zoe? One more time. Who is it, Zoe? Thank you. I don't care what anyone says, that's cute. <laughs> don't you know your Father in Heaven thinks you're cute? When I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. I know you can pray in English, but it's time for some of you to pray in the Spirit. The Bible says in James chapter 3 that no one can tame the tongue. I know one. His name is the Holy Spirit. Let me give you my personal story. So I told you I went to a Baptist church. They told me it was not real. Then I went to a different church where every time they taught on the Holy Spirit, my arms were crossed. And the pastor saw this, saw I was serving a lot, giving a lot, involved a lot. He's like, I want to invite you on a Friday night with several other men, and I want to teach on it and then pray that you receive it. And there's 15 guys in this church that all, none of us had it. I was like, sure, let's go. That's the thing about teaching on tongues. You can't just teach on it. You have to impart. Today after service, if you don't have it, my wife and I would love to lay hands on you. We're going to ask everyone to leave, and if you want to stay, we're going to lay hands on you, in part. So I'm at my pastor's, his crib, we're doing the thing. Thirteen of the 15 guys received tongues. I was one of the two that did not. The other guy, was, I believe, was a Lakers fan, and Spirit of God cannot, you know, I'm just kidding. But I go to my pastor, literally another guy didn't, and I go to my pastor, I'm like, hey, why couldn't I? Is it sin? Am I not super spiritual enough? He's like, no, 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 no. He's like, you're just hard-headed, Ali. Because <laughs> I had spent two years indoctrinating myself that this was not real. I said, what do I do? He's like, take, and he gave me all the verses I gave you today. He said, just read them every day. Let the Holy Spirit talk to you. He wrote this book, by the way. Let him speak to you. So for six months, I just started reading, not to receive the gift, but simply to believe. 
Some of you, that's your first step, is to believe that this gift has not stopped. Six months later go by, I'm like, oh, I believe, pastor. He's like, cool, what do I do now? He's like, I need you to go to your room, turn on some worship music, and when you feel the presence of God, just surrender your will. Just let whatever you feel like wants to come out, come out. So for the last 10 years I've been doing this, I fast on Thursdays. So Thursday I'm at work, I'm an engineer. This is 2009, over a decade ago. I get in my car, just drive around the neighborhood, singing in, in my understanding of my mind, right? English, hoping this gift will come out and it's not coming out. An hour goes by. This is when gas was $2, by the way, not $6. I could do that. So I finally come back in the parking lot. I'm like, God, I'm gonna give you one more song. And I just, I just felt something. And I yielded and just let whatever wanted to come out, come out. And this language came out of me. And I knew it was a language because I was like declaring and even though I didn't understand, I felt like I was tearing things down. And I'm t- let me tell you why it's so important that you understand this. I was a youth pastor at that point for several years. We could not break 10 kids. Within six months, we jumped to 25. You need to be built up. Your porn addiction, your tongue, I can't stop cussing. The way you get angry at your kids, the way you are short with your wife, you're always trying to do it in your power. The Bible says you need to be built up. Your flesh is weak, but your spirit is strong. But I gotta tell you my story. I said it last week, I had this gift for a decade. But something happens in church planning, man. It, it grinds you. The losses, the five o'clock, the getting kicked out of the hotel. I stopped operating in my personal prayer language. And I started off the year fasting and praying for 40 days, Daniel fast. That's why I'm wearing my wife's jeans today, by the way. <laughs> On day 19, God broke me and he rebuked me saying, I gave you this gift and you're not walking in it. Start praying again. And the reason why I tell you that is because all of last year, 2021, we saw 24 people say yes to Jesus. It's a great, we can clap for that, great. Heaven's fuller. It's May 22nd. We're not even halfway, we've seen 47. Double. Why? I'm preaching the same, but I'm built up now. I'm telling you, you need to be built up. I want to read one last verse. I'd love to pray for you. Let me remind you that all scripture is God-breathed. So these words are not Paul's words. These words are not my words. This is God himself speaking to you. I wish every one of you spoke in tongues. I wish every one of you spoke in tongues. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Thank you so much, Jesus, for this message that you first changed me, you first rebuked me. Thank God for the public gift of speaking in tongues that often when you do it, God, you're manifesting your power and you will translate. But there's another gift, Lord, because language matters and it's personal. And it's not a message from you to me. It's a, it's a language I get to pray from me to you. I just believe, Lord, that there are people in this room that have never operated in this gift. There are three of you in this room that I want to pray for this morning. There's some of you, this is your spiritual heritage. This is your background. The whole time you've been saying, of course, pastor, 
Of course, but you are not operating and walking in this gift. And like me, it's time to repent. Because the language of the Bible is that he expects you to do this on a regular basis. That every time you pray in English, you pray in the Spirit. Every time you worship and sing in, in English, you sing in the Spirit. God, I pray for those, God, that you are speaking to right now. They would not neglect this gift that you died to give us, Jesus. There are others of you, you're on the fence. Your heart is crossed because you were told this is not real. And maybe I nudged you a little bit closer to begin investigating again. And maybe like me, it's time for you to go home and read all of the verses that I read today and read them again and again and again until the Holy Spirit reveals this gift is still available today. And there's a third person in this room that you believe, but you've never operated. Just every person, if that's you, just open up your hands with your palms to heaven. Say, Jesus, you convinced me today. Thank you for, your, for the Bible, Lord. That is sharper than any double-edged sword. That's alive and active. Thank you, God, for your word, that you gave it to me so I can walk in victory. I didn't know, Lord, that this gift was available. But if you're giving it, I want it. Teach me how to sing in the Spirit. Teach me how to pray in the Spirit. God, I'm nervous, but I'm full of faith. Amen. There's another person, one last person. At heart, I'm an evangelist. I can't let you go without telling you the gospel. That this whole church does not center around the gifts of God, but God himself. His name is Jesus. And the gifts would not be available unless he came and died for us on a cross for our sin. He didn't give us a book. He didn't want us to go to a holy building or go to a holy land. He wanted us to believe that he was sinless and he died on a cross for us. For the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Jesus died for us. And the way you receive him is by faith. And before you receive this gift that he wants to give you, you gotta first receive salvation. Salvation is simply this, a relationship with the living God. With every eye closed and with every head bowed, if that's you tonight, and you wanna start a relationship with the living God, on the count of three, I just want you to shoot your hand up. It's not, you're not saying yes to me. You're not saying yes to this church. You're saying yes to Jesus. One. Two. Three. Shoot your hand up if that's you tonight. Amen, I see your hand. Amen, I see your hand. Amen, I see your hand. You can put your hand down. Just pray this prayer with me. Thank you, Jesus, that you left heaven for me. You lived a sinless, perfect life, Lord, for me. Because you came to die as a substitute for my sin. I believe your death is the key to my life. I receive it, Lord. But I don't want to just receive salvation, Jesus. 
I don't want to just start a relationship with you, God. I want these gifts that you have for me. You're a good heavenly father. And how much more do you want to give me the Holy Spirit? I receive you. Come on, church. Can we clap for the hands that went up? Thanks so much for listening. We hope this message impacted you and inspires you to draw closer to Jesus. Subscribe to this podcast and give us a follow on Instagram at Centerset Church to keep up with all that God is doing in our community. Also, we'd love to be in prayer with you. If you have any prayer requests, please send them to info at centerset.church.